Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Randy Hunt, uh, Pastoral Care Coordinator here at LAFC, and uh, I just uh, am filled with joy this morning being able to kind of close out uh, 2019, being able to close out this uh, series on Blessed to be a Blessing. That video is so true, is that a part of God's story is about a God of generosity, and you don't have to look very far when you see that he's very generous about his love. He's very generous about his acceptance of us. Regardless of what we've done, God is willing to ex- and ready to accept us. God is also willing and very generous about his forgiveness. He doesn't hold against us. He's willing to forgive when we ask. But also, he's very generous about a future. When it, you read the scriptures and you hear what Jesus says about that he, when he leaves this earth, he's going to prepare a place for us. Imagine this, that one day if you, when you die or, or the Lord comes back to take us home, the opportunity to walk into the uh, gates of heaven and be able to experience God's masterpiece, his building for us to dwell in. Lord, what, a, what an awesome, generous God we have. You know, when I think about the, all of this generosity, it, it's, it's, and this is a part of his story, that he asks us to be a generous people, to live a generous life. When Tony started this series, he talked about how that uh, God has given and blessed us with so much, and that he asks us, encourages us to be a blessing, to take those blessings that God has given us and, and continue to pass them on to other people. Let me just say this, because sometimes uh, people look at a message like this and say, well, here's just another opportunity for, the, for a preacher to talk about money. Let me just say that a generous life is not a matter of how much we're willing to give. Not looking at a 10% or anything like that. That's, that's not the, the essence of this. It, when you think about it, it's not just about money when he talks about generosity. Because we talked about love. We talked about you know, acceptance. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about the future. But I think what generosity, living a generous life looks like, is that it comes down to a matter of what are we willing to give up? What, how, how much love do we really have, not only for him, but for other people? How big is our heart? You know, we just have a small portion of our heart that is really God's, or have we really given him everything? And I think that uh, this morning, as we look into the scriptures, I'm going to invite the ushers to come and give you a, a Bible if you do not already have one. And uh, so that you can follow along, look at this as a gift of generosity from this church to you. But I think when it comes to generosity, is that it involves two things, attitude and it involves action. And I think you're going to see that very clearly this morning in the scriptures that we will look at. That there is a matter of an attitude. What is your attitude towards being a generous person? living a generous life. What kind of actions is portrayed from that, uh, that sense of an attitude? And when we look at um, uh, this, this whole concept of generosity is that I cannot stop and without going any further, without saying this, we are most like God when we are generous. 
Because that's him. So if we want to be like him, be generous. Be generous with your life. Be generous with everything that you have. You know, when God uh, was putting us together and he was looking at the, 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 the thoughts of generosity and that outflow going out into other people, is that, and as Tony was looking at this idea of, of God's blessing, how he's blessed us, he didn't create us to be cul-de-sacs. He didn't create us for you just to be recipients of God's blessing. The idea was is that you and I would be able to, because we are blessed from him, be able to bless others. So it becomes like a conduit. Is that God is able to work through you, into you, and out into the lives of other people around us. That's living like a conduit, not like a cul-de-sac. So as we think of that this morning, conduit, cul-de-sac, I think there's an attitude that shows up in the passage we're about to look at. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 15. It's page 132 in the Bibles that you've received. And as you're turning there, let me say this. This is an interesting passage to be looking at because it's about every seven years We are to forgive debt. Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, you're reading this today. Can you imagine how the Democrats and Republicans would have some fun with this? What would it look like if every seven years we forgave every nation of their debt? Well, that would ruin our economy, right? But I want you to notice something, that there's an attitude that is below the surface of all of this, and to see what is it that God is saying to Moses as he's giving this command, what is the attitude that is there below the surface? And you may want to mark your Bibles when we we come to that. But beginning with verse 7, if anyone is is poor among you, uh, your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or, here's the word, tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. So here comes the thought. Fist, open-handed. He said, the seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. So in other words, if I know that coming up in 2020, that it's going to be the year of forgiving debt, well, there is no way on God's green earth I'm going to give any money. Why would I give somebody that? Because it's really going to cost me. And that's where Moses is saying, don't look at it this way. That's the wrong attitude to have. Verse 10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So do you see the attitude? 
The attitude starts with, is your attitude this clenched fist or is your attitude of an open hand? It's a matter of the open hand is one that's being generous. The one of a closed hand means there's a sense of hard-heartedness. There's a sense of ownership. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want you to feel something this morning. With all the children here in the room, this is a good exercise for them. But I think an even better exercise for us as adults. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to take your hand right now and put it in the air. I love hand-raising churches. Now, I want you to take your hand, and I want you to make a fist as tight as you possibly can. I know some of you ladies have got long fingernails. This is going to be a painful exercise. But I want you to hold it there. All right, close your eyes, and we're going to do this for one minute. Go. How does it feel? What's your body sensing? Are you feeling tension? Maybe you're even feeling those fingernails digging into your hand and you're wanting to say, I'm going to stop. This hurts. Maybe your fingers are even starting to cramp. What's some of the thoughts that are starting to go through your mind? That pastor's crazy. (laughs) This is a dumb exercise. You wish it could stop? Okay, stop. Ow. (laughs) Open up your hand. You look at it and you see fingernail marks, right? And, And you... I mean, it's, it, it felt really difficult to do that for one whole minute. Do you know when I was putting this together, I started timing it out, and I'm thinking, man, that's a lot, a minute. Not when things are good, but like that, it hurts. Now I want you to take the same exit. I want you to hold your hand in the air. This time, I want you to turn it upside down. And for one minute, I want you to experience what happens with this open hand. Go. Feel the difference? Do you feel more relaxed? Maybe no tension anymore. Maybe you're even feeling a little peaceful. Maybe you're even able to think and concentrate on some other things right now because your mind's not drawn to that clenched fist. Any similarities? Okay, you can open your eyes. Big difference, right? I mean, when you're going like this and you're holding on, it's a big difference when the hand is open. 
I wonder if this isn't a good way to look at when you're seeing he's talking about the, the forgiving people of debt, that the attitude he's expressing is that if I'm clenching my fist, I will not be open to people's needs. I, I won't be open to others because of the fact that it's, it's mine to control. I, I don't want to give anybody else anything. I think I can do a better job than God, than what he could do. But instead of maybe looking at this passage in such a negative way, what if we begin to look at this as an example that God is wanting us to trust him with our life, to give him what is really his, to be able to walk along beside him and realize that a generous God calls us to be generous with everything about us, that instead of being tight-fisted, I've got an open hand, and God is able to do more through this open hand than he can through a clenched fist. Because this person, by faith, is trusting the Lord to provide. And he said, even in the passage we read, that God is able to do an abundance. And we'll see that even later in another passage in the New Testament. Was your 2019 marked by this or by this? Because you were tight-fisted towards other people. What could you receive if you had a tight fist? You can't, can you? Maybe we could put some things there. God's blessing is kind of all, way, all around it, but I'm not being a recipient of it because of the fact my fist is closed. But if I've got an open hand, God's able to do so much more because I'm opening myself up to him. I'm allowing him to provide so much more that in order that so much more can be even more than what not only do I need, but it's able to go out onto other people. In so many different ways. I like this passage in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14, when it looks at that, that everything is from God. It says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So in other words, when I give my money, when I give my life, when I give my family, when I give my resources, when I take my time and I'm giving it to God, it's already his. So it's not like I'm giving back to something he hasn't already received because it's already come from him. And because my life is open. Because my life is available, God is able to pour himself out into us and through us. You have to be willing to let go of some things in order to receive something else. If I'm not willing to give God's blessings back to him, then why should I expect to receive other blessings from God? Let's look 
at a New Testament passage. I love this. Many times I go to this passage because of so much truth that is in it that if I could just apply this, if I could be reminded, because I think it's a great example of what happens when I'm not just closing my fist, but I've got an open hand, what God does in the process. It's taken uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 6 through verse 11. Listen carefully to what the, the attitude and the action, as a result of the attitude that is right, what action starts to flow from this. Remember this, whoever so sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to, to bless you abundantly. You notice what he says there. And God is able to bless you abundantly. We're not talking just a little bit here. He's willing to do it abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know why I love this passage is because right here in Lancaster County, you cannot be here during this summer and not see the, res the results of corn and of the, the bounty that comes from sowing seed. If a farmer said, I can't afford much, and he just goes and puts a few seeds in the ground, he's still going to get more than what he's sown. But when he abundantly plants his corn, what he sees out there growing up through the, and shooting up through the ground and is there blocking traffic for every Lancaster Countyan, He's not sad, he's joyful. Because do you realize that when one kernel of seed is sown in the ground, when that stalk shoots up through the ground, there could be as much as two to three ears of corn on that one stalk. And every ear of corn has over 800 kernels on it. Is that abundance? One little kernel results in that. And then at the end of the harvest, and we drive by a lot of the farms here, you see the result of what happens when, when that farmer has sown his seed. If you put it in a, the seed that he sowed in another bin versus now what is the fruit from what he has sown, you'll notice a huge difference. And that all comes as a result of the right attitude. If I'm not this, but I'm this, 
if I sow bountifully, I'm going to reap bountifully. And as I was thinking through this, a generous life, this is where Lancaster County is so good about giving. And sometimes we think, well, generosity is when I'm at least giving, you know, what's required. I, I give my tithe. Could I say that I really think the time that we go beyond what is required and we start to give above that, that's generosity. Because my attitude says, I'm not just holding, I'm surrendering. I'm giving everything to God. There was an example in Scripture. I often go to this because it reminds me when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he's giving an example of what it looks like to go beyond what is required. Because when Luke chapter 10, when you read through that, and we're not going to turn there, I'm just going to kind of give you a highlight, is that when a Levite and a, and a priest walk by, these are the good guys. When Jesus is telling this story, there are not some happy campers listening. There are some people who are a little upset because he uses the Levite and the priest as ones who should. They're the good guys. They should have done something to help that, that, that man who had been uh, wounded or had hurt and robbed by these, these men. And what you see, they walk on the other side and ignore the needs. But here comes a Samaritan. I like it when Jesus likes to agitate the room. <laughs> when he gives stories that those who understand why he's doing what he's doing, it doesn't set very well. But he says this Samaritan, the, good, the bad guy, He's the one who sees the injured man. He stops. He gives him, band he bandages his wounds. Now, if he just stopped there, that's at least what you would think anybody would do for somebody who's been injured. But he doesn't stop there. He goes and he picks the man up and he puts him on his donkey and takes him to the next town and goes to an inn. You see, they didn't have any uh, emergency room to go to. <laughs> So he takes him to the innkeeper and he said, here, I want you to take care of this guy until he's better. Here's two denarii, which happens to be two days wages. And he said, keep taking care of him and later I will come back and I will give you everything you spent. How much you've taken, what you extra you've gone beyond the two denarii, I will provide you what you need. That is going beyond what's required. That's what a generous life looks like. Not just doing what I should do, but going further with it. And so in some takeaways, I, I wanted to, because of all of our children here, to give us something that we could look at for children to be able to see what does it look like to be generous and this first point that I want to say is, what does joy look like when we do something that goes beyond what is required? Let's watch this. 
seat, young man. I'll be right with you. Here you go. Thank you. You got it. What can I get for you? How much for the ice cream sundae? 50 cents. Thirty-five cents. Which one would you like? Can I have a plain dish of ice cream, please? Thirty-five cents. All right, I'll be back in a second. Here you go. Thank you. So, little boy gave, didn't he, what he should, what was required, 35 cents. Wouldn't you love to go to Fox's Creamery for 35 cents? <laughs> I would love that. He gave 35 cents, but what does he do when he walks away? He joyfully gives everything else he has. He doesn't keep anything back. How many times do we look at when you get your bill from, <laughs> when you go in the restaurant and they actually give you the tip amounts? And what would it look like if you went way beyond that? Not because you have to, but because out of your God's generosity for you, you're being generous to somebody else. You think that would change our heart? Do you think it would change the way we interact with people? I think so. Because we, you know, God has bountifully blessed us. And so we're blessing other people in the process. Doing something for somebody that we haven't been asked to do. Take the extra step. For instance, you pick somebody up whose car is broken down alongside the road. What would it look like if you not only picked them up and took them to the nearest station to have them go and, and either tow the person in uh, or um, to maybe AAA comes by and drops them off at, a, at, at one of the stations that are supported by them. and You say, listen, uh, I'm also going to pay for repair work. That's going beyond, isn't it? I mean, you, you did what was required. You at least picked them up and took them. But now you go a step further and you do go beyond by giving them what they haven't even asked for. Point number two is I think a generous life invests in the lives of other people. Instead of looking at what do people give me, what if you look at investing in people right within your own Oikos, you know, those 8 to 15 people that God has put, placed in your relational world 
that we talk about here at LASC, what would it look like if you invested in them? How much investing in people's lives within your Oikos did you do in 2019? Let me give you some examples. Did you ever take some time to empathize when you knew somebody was hurting? I mean, maybe you kept looking at your watch and realizing, oh, I don't have time to, do, to, to sit and listen. What would it look like if you took some time to share a little bit more about your story and God's story with those in your oikos? Do you think it would make a difference? I think so. Because they start to see what God has been doing in your life. I think also... When I send notes of encouragement to people in my oikos, those, those that, uh, they just need a sense of encouragement. You'd be surprised what happens when you send notes of encouragement. You know, it's not the big things we, we could do. It's the little things. When we just stop to invest in the lives of other people. And finally... True generosity denies ourselves of something we value and puts the needs of others ahead of ourselves. This particular point was really driven home to me when I was in Ukraine. Taken out to a little village. We went into this little home. Didn't have a lot. And we sat down to a nice table that had three place settings. There were only three of us my translator, and one other individual, and myself. And I'm thinking, why is there only three plates? And I didn't ask the, the question yet, why only three, when they brought out a plate, and it was, there was more than enough for not only us, but for those in the room. And, um, you know, the family that had invited us in. And I said to, what they placed in front of us was some pork cutlets and and some French fries. And I said to my translator, I said, uh, why aren't they sitting down with us? Oh, they, they, are, they want to honor you. And they don't want to participate. They just want to honor you for what you're doing. I felt about this tall. And I said, well, aren't they going to eat? No, they want you to eat it all. I said, well, how much is this costing them? And he said, almost a whole week of food. For me? That day I learned what it was like to live with generosity. What it's like when you give, think of others and you go beyond for yourself. When you're willing to give yourself away and what you have so that somebody else will feel blessed. So in this year, New Year, 2020, you have a choice. It's an attitude. Am I going to live life with a clenched fist where I control my time, my family, my resources, my career, or is this the year of an open hand where God is able to go beyond because he sees that I'm willing to surrender my life. Everything I have. Watch of the abundant blessing that starts to be poured out on you because God sees your attitude 
and you're taking action. Let's pray. Father, so many times we feel we've got to control everything. We live our lives with a clenched fist. And the result, we feel the tension, we feel stressed. It causes us to be so negatively focused. But I pray that each one of us here in this room today would begin to learn what it's like to live with an open hand where everything about my life is surrendered, where my resources, where my family, where my time is surrendered to God. And that I know that the experience that will come from that will be a life of God's richest blessings because I'm not being a cul-de-sac. I'm being a conduit for God to work through. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. We surrender this to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Take my life. Let it be. It's kind of hard to do it when it's like this, right? But when I really mean what I'm singing. It's living like this. This morning, there's people under the cross to be willing to pray with you because you may sense I'm starting to feel I'm letting go of, of my grip because I want to live with this open hand. They'd be more than happy to pray with you. But I want to just close with this once again from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I hope 2020 is going to be an, uh, an experience for you that goes beyond because you're living like this, verses like this. God's blessing on you and grace and peace, you, you're dismissed. <laughs>